Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who I have to imagine is getting very, very excited about All In, Derek Halpin. I am very excited about All In, and despite what people may think, based on some comments I made last week, I'm I as we get closer and closer to the date, September 1st, I don't care what the card is, I don't care what, what's going on, I'm excited about it, and we got stuff to talk about regarding all in so uh let's dive right into that man but first hit our goddamn music so much to talk about on this week's episode but i gotta start off by asking you how are you doing you're just asking just me personally like yeah just you personally like what's what's going on in garrett's realm over there in nashville tennessee uh well (laughs) i was like how how real do you want me to get with you right now (laughs) (laughs) because i pretty much went into work yesterday and was like i'm done I'm done. Yeah. Like I'm I'm done. I'm like I'm not saying I'm quitting yet, but I'm saying it's around the corner. Maybe this is the kind of drama people want to hear about on our podcast though. Well, I was almost blinded on Monday. That seems important. Yeah, you haven't told me about this. Yeah, what you- happened? <laughs> did 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 some did some wrestler spit mist in your face? It's that's what it felt like. It felt like bushy green misted me. <laughs> Ouch. No, I went to Have you heard of Holiday World? No. It's a theme park in Santa Claus, Indiana. You were in Santa Claus, Indiana? On Monday. This okay. place is weird as shit. Uh, and the, the way I can tie this back into wrestling is in December, this is where Mick Foley goes to play Santa Claus. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So we if know, you, if you want to know that Mick Foley is a big Santa Claus fan. Yeah. Big, big old Santa Mark. And if yeah. you want to sit on Mick Foley's lap, head to Santa Claus, Indiana in the month of December and sit on that guy's lap. But I don't think you can ask him about Hell in a Cell because there's going to be kids around and he is Santa Claus. He's in character. He's in, he, he, he's just not going to break that. He's Cactus Claus. Jesus Christ. Just a Christmas tree with barbed wire wrapped around it. Wrapped around it. Yeah, that's perfect. Did you ever watch that's that documentary exactly. he was in called uh, I Am Santa Claus? No, I didn't. I heard about it. Oh man, that thing is a fucking bummer. See, does he take does he take like a a, a sharpie and take a Christmas stocking and make Mister Stocko? God, the fact that that doesn't <laughs> exist yet, I'm assuming it doesn't. Like, you just you need to maybe I'll edit this out so you can DM him and uh, get a business <laughs> venture going. People will buy those every year. But yeah, that documentary, it's basically just like uh, four different mall Santas. Very sad. It's kind of like no one's ever become a magician because something good happened to make them a magician. How did you almost get blinded? Oh, got a sunscreen in my eyes and then stood in a line for 30 minutes while it burned. And by the end of that line, I couldn't see and had to go to first aid for an hour and a half. What, they put drops in your eyes? Oh, I had to I had to use an eye wash station, an eye rinse station that was spraying me right in the eyeballs. I uh, got to That's put some fun. drops. And uh, yeah, I couldn't see in sunlight. It was too bright, and I couldn't even open my eyes. They were so painful, and I assume that's what everyone who takes the green mist feels like. 
Did you put too much goddamn sunscreen on your face? I went to a water I, park. I don't like water parks. Went down one slide, immediately got sunscreen in my eyes, okay? Just, I don't want to talk about it. I don't think it was the water park's fault, man. I think that's on you. I'm not blaming Santa Claus, Indiana, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mick Foley. Uh, well, we started this podcast off by saying we had some all-in stuff to discover. What do you What do you got on your mind right now? So last night we had a conference call. Yes, we did. With uh, Conrad Thompson and the social media guy from StarCast. So it's starting to feel more real. It's it's really around the corner, and they're getting. They actually got me pretty pumped for this. Would you? Is it fair to say that the pressure is mounting a little bit for us? I don't. Yes and no. What is the pressure? We, our show is us hanging out. I feel like there's very little pressure there. I feel like we, we know how to do our show well. I'm not worried about that. I I, I just want to make sure that when we show up, that we're, we're not the kids who don't have all the right tools. You don't want us to look <laughs> like J-Brones. Yeah. And I want us to have, I want us to have, I want us to look cool. I want us to have all the stuff that people want, like as far as, you know, cool giveaways and things of that nature. I want us, I want us to look the part. And I'm worried that we're going to show up and, and look like we're not professionals, like we've only been doing this since January. So you think that other people are going to show up in suits and ties, professional broadcasters, and then, uh, you know, we're, we're just two idiots in the corner looking like Wayne's World. We're, we're two chimps laughing on a Davenport, as they said that, in the movie Wayne's World. That would actually be pretty cool. So I would actually accept that. See, I'm not worried about this. I just, they said that uh, maybe somebody's going to stop by our table and is uh, Mr. Ass going to be ready to hang out? Is Bob Holly going to be ready oh, to fuck. slap your chest? I never even considered that he could just show up. I, you know, they could listen to our podcast and then designate our guests based around our worst fears. God, I hope Bob Holly has something better to do that day. <laughs> it's good knowing that Randy Orton won't be there. God, he hates us. Does he? Well, Since I mean, he that, called us out on SmackDown again. <laughs> he came out and he's like, just so you did in case you didn't remember last week, I told you I'm going to kill everybody you love after I'm done with Jeff Hardy. Not that you don't love Jeff Hardy, but no, I'm talking about different people. Aren't you interested in, in him at all? Like slightly more now? He keeps telling me that he's interesting, but he isn't doing anything interesting. He's just telling me he is. He put his finger through another man's earlobe. Oh, we didn't discuss that. That was fucking gross. Nuts, right? I think that was a message to you. I don't have ear gauges. I don't think Randy Orton would have any qualms about rubbing as much sunscreen as he feels <laughs> necessary right into your fucking eyeballs. <laughs> what? All I could think, though, is as he was... God, you're right. If he heard me, he's like, my eyes hurt. He's like, shut up. I took thumbtacks from Foley that I dumped on the ground. And that was the night he was officially over for life. But as but, uh, he, no, he made we it sound. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we were on this conference call last night. And first of all, this is my first conference call ever. I don't know if that's embarrassing to admit. Never been on one before. It was pretty cool. I put my phone on mute. I was polite. I asked one question during the conference call. But when I signed in, I think I signed in like two or three minutes before you got there. And when they asked everyone to announce, you know, who, who's signing in, I didn't know if you were there or not. So I just said the name of the podcast. And then a couple minutes later, when you signed in, you said your actual name. I felt robbed. I felt like I didn't get to say my <laughs> name. And I was a little bit jealous. And the whole time the conference call was going on, I kind of wanted to unmute my phone and be like, by the way, I'm Derek Alpin and I'm here too. 
there were like 30 people on that call. At least the name of the podcast got out there. I felt bad for not saying. I'm glad you got that out there. Yeah, I said the name of the podcast. You're welcome. But the way this is shaping up, StarCast sounds like it's going to be pretty damn fun. I don't think there was any question that it was going to be pretty damn fun, but I, I think the extent to which they're going all out to make it an authentic official experience blew my mind. Even when last night during the conference call, Conrad was talking about how the staff at the hotel are going to be wearing StarCast shirts. They're going to have StarCast-themed Sharpies. They're going to have StarCast bottles of water. Like, they're going all out. It's not like it's just a bunch of wrestling fans occupying a place that's not embracing whatever it is they're there to celebrate. No, they're fully going for it. And he, oh, and he said the room keys at the hotel will have the StarCast uh, theme on there. And it seems like they have everything spread out really well, like, over the course of those four days. Where even if you come on Sunday, there's still plenty happening on Sunday. Right. I think I'm really happy. We will. If you're going to StarCast, if you're listening to the podcast, you're going. I'm sure you're just as excited as we are. There's going to be a lot of cool other podcasts there, including ours. But uh, make sure you stop by and see us. We will be there Friday morning, and we're going to be there right when they open. And from what I've discussed with you, we have intentions of staying there at our booth probably most of the day. Yeah, I think the only time I plan on trying to escape is I want to see that weigh-in. Yeah. Just see all of the, the all-in wrestlers come out, which I have to imagine nobody is going to be anywhere but that room at that time. Yeah. Of course, that's also an opportunity if that room is too full. <laughs> we, we don't know. Maybe there's an opportunity to capitalize and meet some people during that. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, just just it was so cool sitting on the conference last night and... There were so many people in that call that are in our position who are just looking to get their name out there. And we're excited to meet those people just as much as we're excited to meet potential listeners. And you're right. We get closer and closer to the date and it's more and more exciting. So I don't know what, I don't know what else you have to add to I don't, the I'm still conference just, call story, but we submitted, we submitted the people, our top 10 wish list of who we would like to interview and we kind of picked people based on who we thought would be able to hang out with us. I was surprised we each made a top 10 list of, of, of requested people to interview, and half of our list we matched up on. I was actually surprised we had a 50% match ratio. I just want to talk to Macaulay Culkin about wrestling. <laughs> How? Uh, we need to make that happen. Well, what's funny is I I just got done earlier today listening to some Macaulay Culkin on the Joe Rogan podcast, and it made me even more excited to talk about him or talk to him about wrestling. Who would uh, I'm trying to think of like who some other dream guests would be. I would love to just not necessarily wrestlers, but just wrestling fans. One, I'd love to chat with Topanga from Boy Meets World. She's a big wrestling fan. She goes to PWG. I think we'd get along. Isn't the girl who was Clarissa from Closer Explains It All? What's her name? I do not see Melissa Joan Hart being a mark, but she is. She's no. a total wrestling fan. I yes. I'm I you have to be thinking of Topanga. I'm definitely not thinking of Topanga. I I am going to be shocked if I run into Melissa Joan Hart at a wrestling show. I'm not saying you'll run into her at a wrestling show, but I'm pretty sure Melissa Joan Hart is a fan of pro wrestling. So last night she watched SmackDown. Maybe. Where does she stand on Randy Orton? I don't know. It depends on if she listens to this podcast or not. If you listen to this podcast, you have a grudge <laughs> against Orton. We, we we paint him in a negative light. I wonder how many people listening to this podcast are like, they're full of shit. Randy's the best. Somebody. Somebody is. And that's, that's fine. He's not. 
We did have a listener <laughs> try to say. <laughs> God, we're dicks. We did have a listener. What was based an entire uh, storyline around Randy Orton reforming the NWO? Oh yeah. <laughs> I just that seems like too much effort. You know who you are. Th- that may, to me that seems like Randy would have to form a meeting. He'd have to go out and buy refreshments or at least a case of beer. Uh, he probably shows up with a pack of cigs and his own six pack, though. <laughs> Already wasted. Who is Randy going to go around and recruit for the NWO if he brings it back? Probably a bunch of old timers, which is ironic considering he got into the <laughs> got into this as the legend killer. And now he's making he's kind of making it sound like he's the Endy killer. That's kind of a cool gimmick, though. Yeah, but if we get there, he's like, I'm going to kill all these guys when I'm done with Jeff Hardy in a couple months. <laughs> Actually, now I'm excited. I really do hope that becomes his gimmick. I hope there's a shirt where his, he specifically targets people who pride themselves on having come from the indie scene. Well, that that so. actually answers my question uh, of this. I was talking to uh, Eli from the Music City Horror Podcast over the weekend, and we were talking about Joey Janela, And... <laughs> I guess Joey Janela, you know, he recently said he's had his last death match, but he has made it clear that he wants to be in the WWE or that that is an end goal. Yeah. Do you see that? Like, what does Joey Janela do in the WWE? I think anything's possible at this point. I, I don't think there's anyone off the top of my head except maybe Nick Gage. <laughs> I, I think he has a look that could work in there, but I think... Sorry, I pictured many, him many, listening to this and just hearing that and going, oh. <laughs> I would like to think that if Nick Gage heard me say he doesn't qualify for the WWE roster, that he wouldn't give a fuck what a mark on a podcast thinks. But hey, we're going to be an experience. We're going to be in an experience here in a couple of weeks where we actually get to find that out if anyone gives a shit what we think right in front of them. So yeah, if you're, in real time, people can right. say to my face, I don't give a shit what you have to say. <laughs> nice glasses garrett and if anyone would say it i think it's wrestling fans yeah but uh as far as joey janela getting the wwe why would that surprise you so much can like they they just signed matt riddle they've they've brought in people who didn't fit the conventional body type of like you know like they've brought in people who didn't really have a background in pro wrestling why would joey janela be the one that like oh i can't believe him I don't, I don't know. There's just something about, I guess it's because I've seen him enough times now and seen him like, you know, come into the ring smoking cigarettes or getting thrown through some of the gnarliest shit I've ever seen. I, there's just something about him as a wrestler that I don't know how his daredevil style fits into just a normal like five to seven minute TV match. But they did, WWE, WWE did bring in Sandman. They did bring in Cactus Jack. Like, hardcore styles do not necessarily disqualify them from being signed. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, it's that and his size. Would he be, he'd be a 205 Live guy, but I feel like his, I don't know. I don't know. I have a hard time even vocalizing ver- or verbalizing <laughs> what, what about him I don't picture there. But like you said, I wouldn't have pictured Matt Riddle getting there, but it's also... You know, they take all the action figures. Yeah. They're just collecting talent, so why not? But with Riddle, you know, we're hearing rumors that he's going to debut at NXT Brooklyn. And I think at first the rumors were, you know, he's probably going to just be sitting in the front row and wave at the camera, uh, which he'll be very surprised by. 
because he's going to be very high. Do you? Th- oh my god! Do you think his first meeting with Vince, he was stoned? I would be. Oh, I would if have. It was up to. to me. I would have to just so I wouldn't cry. You that intimidated by this guy? Oh, I'm terrified of Vince McMahon. He's immortal. You have yeah. to. If you can't kill something, you need to fear it. <laughs> um. So when we came into this episode, honestly, <clears throat> I didn't know what we were going to talk about. We, had, we, we we some weeks we have certain things planned. This week the the theme seemed to be match requests from our listeners, and so I ended up watching a few matches. I know you ended up watching a few matches with me, and uh, so we've got like like what two or three matches we would need to dive into here that we ended up watching. Yeah, I I have at least three that listeners requested. There may have been a fourth. If we don't talk about it today, please send us a reminder of what you asked for, because these are the only, these are the only three I, uh, I recalled the, Hey, you assholes. I'm over here. I requested a match too. don't forget me. That works. I thought you were calling the listeners assholes. No, I'm saying that that's what they're going to say to you. You, you really Orton'd them there. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. I didn't say anything about the listener. I said, I was talking about you. I'm the asshole. Yeah. Randy agrees. Okay. So our, <laughs> the, the first match uh, request we got was from uh, Shane Fisher, who is a chicken man 101 on Instagram. He sent us a message and said that he didn't know why, but he said one match that always stuck out to him was Raven versus Kaz Kayashi. Kaz Hayashi. Hayashi? Yeah. Okay. I have poorly written notes and awful handwriting. <laughs> But uh, what was this? This All right. This was from a WCW Saturday night. I think it was actually WCW Worldwide. I know at one time the set that they used and and their other, like, their weekend show was WCW Saturday night. But I think towards the late 90s, I think it became WCW Worldwide. And that that was at least the recording that I watched. Thank you, YouTube. And uh, this was actually this one I had watched the first time it aired, I believe, because this was not the first time I'd seen this match. Okay, did... So was Saturday night taking place during the same time as Nitro or did this, where did this fall in? Yeah. I mean, this was happening like WCW had at least three or four shows running weekly. They had Nitro, they had Thunder, and then they, they at least had WCW Saturday night or whatever became worldwide. It's crazy. Um, Like I did not remember this set. Like I'm sure I had to have watched this a bunch of times. The set's pretty iconic. I remember the set. I forgot about the the lime green graphic that they had that they put in that didn't fit towards the end. Um, And I don't even know. I would have to research this now. I don't even know when they filmed these. I don't know if this was at MGM Grand or whatever. I don't know if this was at at Disney Studios in Florida. I don't know. Um, But I remember the set. And this was just a short, like, seven-minute match. And you're catching Prime Raven against a guy that I think that Kaz Hayashi was usually in their cruiserweight division when he when he would wrestle. Okay, and when he came out at the beginning of this match, he came out dressed as Glacier. Well, yeah, there were a couple guys that had... The, the original intention, this is a side note, with Glacier, they wanted to create a whole line of wrestlers in WCW that were loosely based on Mortal Kombat characters. So Kaz Hayashi having the armor and stuff is not that that surprising. Um, I guess you've seen people like Mustafa Ali wear similar things recently. So, but it's it wasn't not like, like it's. Did Glacier have like a troop? He's like, these are the Glacier boys. He's like, nope. I'm Glacier, and these are my icicles. I don't think so. No? I think he had a tag team with the Cat at one time. 
Actually, Maybe and I'm wrong. speaking of Janela, I believe Glacier came back into pro wrestling for Joey Janela's Spring Break One. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The so second- we watch we watch this what seven minute? It was basically like a hardcore match. It was a between- very fast paced match. I mean, yeah. they tried to do as much shit as they could in seven minutes. Well, Kaz Hayashi busted his head through a chair that got propped up in the uh, turnbuckle. Jesus Christ. He he pretty much ran full speed, head first, no protection, into a steel chair. What's crazy to me is because we were kids when this was going on, I didn't realize. I mean, I knew how over, like, like I knew you were a fan of Raven. Oh, I was a you big liked fan Raven of the flock. Lot. Yeah. Do you, but I this mean, was after the flock had broken up, right? I guess it would have been. What did I like about Raven as a kid? What was what was it about him that drew me in? Was it the leather jacket and his I don't care attitude? Well, he came out to the Nirvana ripoff music. <laughs> and I, I guess he was supposed to be a grunge character since we had just come out of the grunge, you know, trend and music a couple years prior. I mean, I think by the late 90s, grunge had kind of wrapped up as a popular genre, but... Is that they what were capitalizing the, on that? Is that what the flock was supposed to be? They were supposed to be grunge. They weren't just filthy boys. Filthy boys coming out to Nirvana. Man, I bet their <laughs> rental car smelled bad. I bet the, I bet their rental car had a lot of combos and Newports. Maybe maybe they were the cleanest. Maybe it was all just like it was legit work, Garrett. Maybe they were great. Maybe they were clean people, and it was just an act. Here's pro the, wrestling, man. If I'm on the road and my gimmick is I'm dirty, I'm just dirty now. That's just Are how you? I, that's how I'm you're, just gonna. You're live. committed. You're a method wrestler. Yeah, I'm gonna smell like Leon White's uh, ring gear. Ooh. Yeah, that's Ew. yeah, that's a butthole. It's a butthole. So you're telling me that when like. when Kidman was doing the whole seven year itch thing and he was constantly itching himself, like he, he put f- itching powder on himself. No, th- there's no such thing as itching powder. He had fleas. He had fleas. What do you mean there's no such thing as itching powder? Is that just like like an urban myth? What are you talking Surely about? Can... No, like what? Like some sort of prank powder that makes somebody yeah, itch? Yeah, absolutely. Like, the, the you know, the shit you could get from like old comic books that had like the x-ray glasses and rubber chickens and shit that you could order through the mail. So you're telling me that Kidman's suitcase looks like fucking Pee Wee Herman's shopping bag after he goes to the magic shop. If he's a method wrestler and he needs to actually be itching constantly, then he would probably have something to make that happen. I think that this is just something we're not going to agree on. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this took a tangent from Kaz Hayashi versus Raven into whether or not these guys were committed to their characters enough. Kaz did something that everybody should have always done to Raven. Just beat his what? ass while he's sitting in the corner talking to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, he's sitting down. He had the high ground. Yeah, so everyone he beat, who's he everyone who's watched Star in. Wars knows that you have to have the high ground to win a fight. Okay. He doesn't win the fight. One of the first things Kaz goes to take a flip over the top rope onto Raven. Raven just moves, <laughs> and he just takes a flat back bump onto the ground. Yeah, you're hoping that padding was thick enough. And then he takes two different sentons. From the top rope onto a chair that's on top of Raven. Yes. This Two is... of them. It doesn't, it doesn't beat Raven, though. Was this a hardcore match? I didn't remember hearing that at the beginning, but it must have been. Maybe that's the only thing, because I know that was Raven's specialty. I know he liked to set the chair up in the middle of the ring and then like DDT you through it. That was his thing, right? Was The DDT was his finisher, right? 
Yeah, it was like the even flow DDT. Because the match, I, I, I could not remember his finisher. And when that happened, I was like, holy shit, they just ended a match on a DDT. This is Yeah, a, that was his finisher. This, I mean, that was like watching the Civil War. It was just like, this is part of history. This is, what are you talking about, is, man? Bobby Roode's still using a DDT as a finisher? How many times does he win with that thing? How many times has he won recently? I have no clue. I guess he just beat Mojo Raleigh, so. Good for him. Not really, because nobody gives a shit about Mojo Raleigh. God damn it, look at us doing this tangent stuff again. Poor what Kaz. Poor Kaz. He finally gets a platform on our podcast, and all we want to do is talk about other things. Poor Kaz Hayashi. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know much about the man. He came out dressed like Glacier. He took a, a chair <laughs> shot to the head. He took a, three bumps to his back that should have ended his career. I, maybe we've brought this up on the podcast before. I think one of the things that we as, as fans of pro wrestling really underestimate are like the, just the basic bumps. Like things like like flat backing out of the ring onto the mat. Probably like to like the, like they're used to that shit. Like you as an average Joe, if I just told you, hey, Garrett, just jump like that six feet and land flat on your back. You'd be like, no, that'll knock the wind out of me for a week. Oh, yeah, I'd be fucked up for just a while. Like, I'd have to call into work. I'd have to explain what I, you know what? I'm not even going to explain what happened. It was like, I, I'll just send flat backed, can't make it. And that's just a spot. And then they still have, you know, five more minutes to go. Yeah, we would not. And this was a short match. Yeah, I mean, it was the clip itself was seven minutes, including entrances. Yeah, but it was fun. And so uh, we watched that. That actually, I was glad that we got that submitted because I like watching WCW stuff from when I was watching WCW. That was nice. Uh, I feel like I don't go back and watch enough WCW from when we were actually watching. So Shane, thank you for that. I don't know why this match stuck in your head. You said you don't know either, but you said this is one you always think of. It was a fun one. I mean, it was, it was just a fast paced, like little match that was just a just a blast back to my uh, junior high years. Maybe it stuck with him because for it being like WCW Saturday night or WCW worldwide, he felt like he got more than he deserved for that show. Like they gave him a little bit extra where they could just get away with throwaway matches. You don't know what Shane thinks he deserves. I don't, but I, I would love to hear from him. Shane, what do you deserve? <laughs> what do you deserve, Shane? Do you deserve a 20 minute long match? Or are you fine with seven minutes of hardcore action? I'll be honest. by Kaz Hayashi and Raven. Typically when matches are suggested to us, they tend to be like the, I mean, when the ones you suggested me, I had to watch a two hour match in there somewhere. <laughs> well, you wanted the best of CM Punk and it would be, it would be wrong of me to not bring that up. I think it was nice that somebody said, I think Garrett has time for seven minutes. Hey, I did. <laughs> so did I. Okay, let's move on to the next one that uh, got recommended to us. This one was recommended to us by Stephen McCash, who is the uh, ring announcer for Southern Underground Pro, which we're going to be talking about here in just a bit. Woo woo! He recommended to us Super uh, Super Clash Three. This was in 1988. Carrie Von Erich versus Jerry Lawler for the AWA title. Yeah, this took place in Chicago, Illinois, on December 13th, 1988. The attendance in the building was 1,672 people at the UIC Pavilion. And I wouldn't have known that because one they only time. lit the ring. Yep. It was dark. Like that old gritty style. I love that. Uh, I've been to this building one time for a Gorillaz concert. Haven't been back since. Would love to go back to the UIC Pavilion. It's been used. For, I know WCW used to use it a lot. I think uh, 
Chi Town Rumble was there. They've uh yeah, it doesn't get used for much anymore, but I think people are probably starting to think that maybe you really like gorillas. Really? I don't how know would, how how, how would f- they get that idea? Maybe because I promise you, you there's not it? another wrestling podcast that's mentioned gorillas as many times as we have. Nope. Probably not. But it's relevant. They're going on tour soon. With Randy Orton? Yes, with Randy Orton. Kurt Henning and the West Texas Rednecks are opening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I hope uh, Michael P.S. Hayes opens as well somewhere in there with his uh, Is There Children Allowed to Pray in School song or whatever the hell that song is. (laughs) (laughs) Three count. What are some more wrestling music acts? Like what, what? We got Elias right now. Well, Jericho, obviously Fozzie. I went to see, uh, did I ever, I had to have talked about it at some point on here, going to that Jeff Hardy concert. I think you mentioned it before. Good Lord. It it hurts to watch somebody who is a childhood hero, who is so good at one thing, be so not good at another thing. Do you have a grudge against Jericho? Love Jericho. No, I'm talking about uh, Jeff Hardy. Oh, I thought you were talking shit about Jericho. I was getting a little defensive. No, I'm proud of Jericho. Like, maybe Fozzie might not be my cup of tea, but he really showed you stick with it for 14 years. You're going to get a song on the radio. Hey. Jericho's doing just fine. When's the last time you were able to organize a cruise? I haven't tried yet. You know what? I'm going to get it, though, and you're not invited. The the predetermined pro wrestling hangout cruise that Derek is not at. It's us and six other people not counting (laughs) you. One one of that's them might fine. be your mother. Yeah, that's fine. She's she's right there with me. I don't know what we entertainment we have on the cruise. It's like, no, this is we hang, we hang the out, we eat. Well, here's the thing: the entertainment we're supposed to be talking about is Jerry Lawler versus Kerry Von Erich for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. Hey, and I don't know what was going on in Chicago in 1988, but when WGN Radio Al Lerner came out there, he got the shit boot out of him. Yeah, I was wondering about that. What do you do you think that he had a scandal going on or do you think that did WGN cover a sports team that uh maybe maybe the the crowd just wasn't a fan of? I will have to do some research on that, but I I don't have I have no idea. That shows it's me not the, beyond, it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility that just because they knew who he was, they booed him. <laughs> it's Chicago. That How was, we recognize that name, fuck that guy. That showed though that Chicago tends to just always be a hot crowd. Oh, yeah. Because the crowd was going fucking crazy for this. And you know who else was? Me. (laughs) I knew that's where it was going, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to say it. What what, what was it about it that this match got you and made you happy that you watched? Kerry Von Erich is the sexiest man I've ever seen in my whole life. Kerry Von Erich was a stud. He, oh my God, the build to him taking that robe off, like the room got wet. Like you could just hear every, the anticipation of this man revealing his uh, most, like you know, his his physique. And when he janitors the, from every corner of the building had to break out their mops. Oh, like you that's think how bad that, it was? You think that the girls get excited for Tana? Tana, Tanahashi. <laughs> like you hear that? That was oh man. When that guy took his robe off, like I was, I had to turn the air conditioning on. I was getting hot. Carrie, Carrie Von Panty Droppers is his new name. <laughs> And nobody has a head of hair like that guy. That was a beautiful head of hair. He had, like, I haven't seen a ton of Kerry Von Erich stuff. Uh, his, like, if you squint, 
He looks a little bit like a big Ultimate Warrior. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> like, if you like, squint, <laughs> yeah. Like, like if you just blur it, he's he's jacked. He's got the big flowing hair. Put yeah. it this way: at the, one point in this match, just just to talk about his hair here for a second, he's, this guy has a beautiful mane. Like this guy, uh, just the thing is, just it's gorgeous. And at one point, Jerry Lawler gives him a pile driver. He no-sells it. He is immediately yeah. standing. You know why? He can't hurt that head of hair. <laughs> it's like a helmet. That shit was a helmet. Tell you what, though. He gave a pile driver back to Jerry Lawler. Jerry didn't, wasn't, like, the, the big thing in this match that Jerry Lawler kept digging, like, the foreign object out of his tights. But, like, he did that several times throughout the match. But as an audience member, you couldn't see what it was either. So it looks like he's just fiddling around with his dick over and over again. It looks like he's, like, stink palming him. Where he's like, <laughs> he's like, you don't want to smell what I got going on down here. It's hot in the UIC pavilion, and you're getting a little sweat on your eyes as I punch you from the top rope. It was already hot in there from the moment Kerry Von Erich walked in. So. Oh, yeah. Like that. Th it was humid. It was humid when he took that thing <laughs> off. And I think at the beginning he said, there's one Mona Lisa. There's one Tower of Pisa. And there's one AWA champ. Well, this was a title unification match for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship and the WCWA World Heavyweight Championship. And this was a bloodbath, man. Like, I, I think I described this to you. It was just a slugfest. Like, two big guys going at it. Jerry Lawler using some underhanded tactics to try to get the upper hand and Kerry Von Eric. And I mean, they got thrown out of the ring a couple different times. And when's the last time you saw the claw Garrett? <laughs> let me, that's what I want to know. Let me find where I wrote the something about the claw. Oh shit. Where did I write that? Cause at Toy one point reference. he is just, what do they call it? The Iron Claw, and he's just squeezing Jerry Lawler's belly. Yeah, he goes like he's he's performing one of those like miracle surgeries that you see people in the Philippines do, where they just pull like the cancer out of you. <laughs> he's just pulling he's pulling Jerry Lawler's chicken tindies from his restaurant gonna, right out of his gut. I was getting ready to say he's about to pull some of those Royal Rumble nachos. <laughs> Oh, the king was in pain. Like all I could think blood. is, if you were squeezing my stomach like that. I would just be screaming like, "I'm gonna shit! I'm gonna shit!" And then <laughs> you tap pretty quick though. But then he, uh, you know, he moves from the tummy to the head and just gives that good face squeeze. Okay, but I, you, I, you said you didn't really enjoy this match. I don't like. I didn't hate it, but I think these like this. It's it just feels like a dated match to me, where fans really back in the day bought into the idea of, oh man, that guy punched that guy in the face and he's selling it for 10 seconds. And then, oh, he slugs him back and, oh man, now they're bleeding and, and it's a real fight. I think maybe I'm just overexposed. Maybe I've been watching a lot of wrestling. It's not a knock. I, I know how important and big this was at the time. And I guess if this is what you grew up with, if you watch this, I'm not shit talking it, but Certainly a classic match, and it's sad that just a few years later, Kerry Von Erich committed suicide. So, well, you didn't I don't know if to... the, the, the Von Erichs are such a tragic story because they're such an iconic name in the pro wrestling industry, and I know so little because they were before our time. Well, I will say, I think what I enjoyed about this is you, like you said, the match was a lot of punches. It was just a lot of really, really hard punches. And I thought these guys both threw, especially Kerry Von Erich, through some of the best working punches I've ever seen. 
They looked hard. They looked devastating. And I think uh, he had that discus punch that he kept doing throughout the match. That thing yeah. looked so goddamn hard that I think that could be a new Japan now. It made me happy to see Jerry Lawler still doing the thing where every time he pops up, he has his dukes up ready to go. Like he's been doing that for a long time. Not enough people have their dukes up. Yeah, they should. It's a fight. And just here's the other thing. Just a few years prior to this, Jerry Lawler was wrestling Andy Kaufman in Memphis. Then a few years later, here he is in Chicago, Illinois, getting Kerry Von Erich's blood in his mouth. Oh, yeah. That was, he was leaking, man. He was just. They were both, they were both kind of a bloody mess. He was just squirting blood all over Lawler's face while his mouth was open. I think that's what fucked me up a little bit with this one. That made it even more disturbing. Yeah, this happened a lot back in the day. Guys really just bled all over the place, and it would get. You were worried about getting sunscreen in your eyes, man. Imagine having Carrie Von Eric's blood all around the the holes on your face. Hey, maybe Carrie Von Eric can handle it, but the referee at least agrees with me that you can't continue because this match ends while while Carrie Von Eric is squeezing Jerry Lawler's face. He's basically unconscious, but the. the re- <laughs> The the ref keeps brushing Kerry Von Erich's beautiful bangs out of his face and then decides he's got too much blood in his eyes. Jerry Lawler wins. And that's how the match ends. And a 1980s crowd chants bullshit. Almost went 20 minutes, though. And I was looking over the rest of the card from this show, Super Clash 3, man. There's some names on here that we know. I mean, it's the late 80s. It's almost 1989. I saw Chavo Guerrero's on this on this card. Cactus Jack is on this card. Jeff Jarrett, DDP. Like, there's some names that we would recognize that just, you know, five, six years later, definitely relevant in the pro wrestling scene. So this is a a thing that if you go back and look at the undercard and midcard, you're like, God damn. Like, this was ended up being kind of the who's who of the Monday Night Wars. Some of them, yeah, absolutely. So this was kind of a fun flashback. Like I said, maybe not necessarily my cup of tea. Maybe feels a little bit dated to a, a stickler like me. But uh, I definitely was entertained by it, so I, and like I said, I like I like going into areas that I like of pro wrestling that I haven't necessarily delved into a whole lot. So this was definitely one of those from the late '80s, something I haven't. It's from an era that I don't know a lot about. So this was this was interesting. Well, I want to thank Stephen for introducing. Like I, he didn't really introduce me to Kerry Von Erich, but you really introduced me to how sexy this man is, and I don't think <laughs> anyone in pro wrestling has ever compared to this man's hair and physique. And then Shawn Michaels came along. Doesn't matter. Carrie Von Erich should be in Playgirl. Boy. That's, <laughs> that, that should have been a thing. <laughs> so then we finally had to move on. We, we did some modern day stuff. We went to the, the G1, which is still ongoing. You know what? And There's uh, so much to talk about with the G1. Can we, uh, let's go, can we do Southern Underground Pro real quick? Well, first of all, I think it's important. Like We've been getting all these different match requests. This is an important part to kind of just let everyone know. We love getting match requests from you guys. Keep them coming. Uh, if you haven't already, reach out to us on social media, at WrestleHangout on Facebook, at WrestleHangout on Twitter, Twitter, at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram. Guys, we, we you expand our horizons so much with pro wrestling, so keep keep recommending matches to us, and if we have time, we'll definitely check those out and talk about them on the podcast. But 
other than just watching matches, Garrett, you, you had a big show that you went to this past weekend because we were a sponsor of the show as Southern Underground Pro. So what what did you see? What happened? Okay, so this weekend was Southern Underground Pro Not Problematic was the name of the show. And when I showed up to the building, the doors normally open at 1.30, show starts at 2. Doors open a little late on this one, which means it's a real indie wrestling show. They've been, they've been opening on up on time too much. You can't be an indie show unless the doors are late. <laughs> so, welcome to fame. That you you made it. They've you, made it. You're officially an indie show. But uh, the line, I wasn't expecting this. The line was wrapped around the building to get in there. This was a really, this was a pretty big crowd. And I talked to quite a few people that, I don't know, just saw the poster and ended up coming. They had never seen live pro wrestling before. And this show ended up being their first one. So if there was going to be one for us to be sponsors of, this seems like a good one to pick. This was, I, I know I say this every time, but these shows truly keep getting better and better. I mean, I've enjoyed everyone I've been to, but this is easily the best one I've been to. I saw so like, I saw several things on this show that it was a first. And at this point, I've watched a lot of pro wrestling in my life. The fact that I can witness something that I've never seen before says something about what they got That's going impressive. on over there. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. I have the card in front of me. I know it ended up changing. The show opened with a triple threat. These guys weren't on the card, and I didn't write their names down, so I don't know who they were. One guy, though, you can tell, like, maybe maybe he's still trying to figure his shit out. He had on two masks. What do you mean, two masks? He came out with, like, I want to say it was, like, a bunny mask. Maybe it was, like, a, I think it was a bunny. And then under the bunny mask, it was a Phantom of the Opera mask. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think you can have too many masks. All right, well, that's the thing. I know Kane was doing that a few years back where he had, like, two or three masks on. What? Why is everybody all wearing all these masks? And uh, one of the guys in the opening match, I have a rule about uh, they. He had on gloves. And there's something about watching somebody wear those little gloves that pisses me off. And may Why? Uh, I think it all starts with Jared Leto, lead singer of 30 Seconds to Mars and Oscar winner. What, what is this? Why does this get you upset? I don't know. There's just something about a guy in little leather gloves, especially if they're fingerless, that just irritates the shit out of me where I'm like, ah, I hope that guy doesn't win an Oscar. <laughs> is that is that an irrational thing that I'm immediately turned off if somebody's wearing gloves? Maybe it depends on what kind of reaction he's trying to get out of you. The only person that can wear these gloves and get away with it, in my opinion, Kerry Von Erich, because that man can do no wrong. <laughs> But no, uh, let's see. Where do we go? I mean, a lot happened at this show. They had a match I'd never seen before. They called it a, a scramble match. So there were five or six guys in this. And how it worked is they had the PWF title. And it was kind of just hot potato. They set a 20-minute time limit. And whoever pinned somebody gets the belt. But you only have the belt. For as long as, you know, the next person, until the next person Yeah, gets championship pinned. scramble match. You had never seen one of these before? I don't think I had. I mean, unless I've watched them impressive. like Nitro or, you know, something back in the day. No, I've seen one of these before. I mean, uh, WWE's been doing them for a few years. I don't know when the last time they had one was, but they used to do this, you know, a few years back. So, you got to see your first one in person. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's, Mance Warner was in this match. 
you don't know who Mance Warner is, check this guy out. Little bit of a stone cold gimmick. He came out in a shirt. He's uh, he's trying to start an internet feud, I believe, with Dave Meltzer. He came out in a shirt that just said "fuck Meltzer," and his own face was the U. So he gets the title and just immediately runs away. But later he comes back in and he's in there with this guy named Craig Mitchell and he pulls a fucking knife out, like a big hunting knife. And it's like, get on the fucking ground, like yelling at him and just trying to make everybody stay away because he has the title and is trying to win by just kind of holding everyone hostage. This is definitely a stone cold moment where he has the gun in the ring and he's threatening to shoot Vince in the head. Oh, for sure. That's what, but this was a knife. This was a fucking knife. And there's part of me that's like, I don't, I, I just, somebody was coming up behind him and I was like, don't, don't sneak up on this guy. I don't want to watch an actual stabbing today. (laughs) Maybe he got one of those gimmick knives from the, like the comic books we were talking about where when you push it against somebody, the blade disappears into the handle and you're fine. I'll let you test that on him. I'll let you, right. you know. I'll let you see if that's that's what's going on. But he gets thrown out of the ring, and as he's going by, he ends up at my feet. He uh, he unties my shoes. Okay. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but I was wearing a pair of shoes that the one specific lace just always comes untied, no matter how good you tie it. And I had a really good thing going. It hadn't come untied for a while, and that was the one he untied. <laughs> So for what purpose? I think I said like, oh, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Like, I don't think he knew that that uh, that was that was a devastating blow to me. I had to retie that thing like three fucking times. So so sorry, Garrett. Uh, Let's see. Also, Kevin Koo was in this match of everybody on this entire show. When I look at Kevin Koo, he's the one guy that I'm like, I see this guy going somewhere. Not that they all won't eventually, uh, but he's like the one guy that just like the look of him. I'm like, I do you feel like he has the it factor to him? Just looking at him. Also, I didn't mention this. The last Southern Underground Pro show when he was walking, I'm like, I like Kevin Koo. Let's get a high five. He almost broke my fucking hand with how hard he high fived me. (laughs) I will never make the mistake of requesting one of those again. All right. Which I hated. I think I thought like the big story from the show was that didn't Kevin Koo chase off the MJF? Okay, so MJF was scheduled to be on this show and he ended up getting hurt. He's still there to come out and talk to us when he comes out. Uh, it, this, this, I don't see a lot of uh, smaller indie shows where people are throwing streamers, a lot of streamers at this show. But when MJF came out, people had toilet paper rolls ready to go. That's awesome. But he didn't, he came out just a uh, casual Friday MJF, but he still had the, the Burberry scarf on. He gets in the ring. Everybody's booing the shit out of him, throwing toilet paper the whole time. He's just trying to be sincere. And he comes out and he's kind of giving a speech that makes it sound like he's never going to wrestle again. And he's being really sincere to the whole crowd. And the whole time he's like, I don't buy this. I don't buy this. I've, I, this guy, has, he has wronged me too many times. And by that, I mean one. <laughs> but once is enough. He ends up in the ring with Jesse, one of the guys who runs the show and is the commentator on the show. So uh, after his nice little speech, Jesse raises his hands. Fucking MJF knees him right in the balls. What a dick. I know. Turns out he was fucking around. Oh, no, and to get everybody was. to stop booing him so he could have his heartfelt speech, he did drop the Burberry scarf on the ground. I think he thought, if this is on the ground, this shows I'm sincere. But then after he hits him in the balls, Kevin Koo chases him off. And you better believe, uh, the guys I was with, Alex, Neil, 
Kevin, Clay, uh, everybody around us. Alex reached in and grabbed the scarf and put it on. And my immediate reaction to that is, oh, you shouldn't do that. Because <laughs> you play by the rules because you're a good boy. Yeah, I'm a good boy. And I'm like, I'm not touching anyone's ring gear. But as we're all standing there and everybody wants a picture wearing it. I mean, eventually I'm like, well, fuck him. Well, uh, peer pressure ca- made you cave and you got your picture taken with the Burberry scarf. And took a picture of the logo on it, the tag, can confirm it's a knockoff. What? So I have pictures. I have proof. I've worn the damn thing. That's what happened. Maybe if more people were giving him five bucks for pictures with him, then he could get the real thing. Well, what happened to that that real one that David Arquette gave him? He has it locked up in the safe. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a safekeeping scarf. So we still have the scarf. And at one point, uh, he was already gone. Alley Cat came over and got the scarf from us. How did that play out, by the way? Okay, so she just came over and was like, hey, can I get that? And got it and ran away. And we've talked a lot about Alley Cat on here. She's, uh, well, they actually had the first female match, you know, because she'd just been doing the intergender matches. She had a, a female match. But according to social media, it appears that MJF and Alley Cat are dating. Oh, shit. And how is it that my favorite wrestler, from Southern Underground Pro is dating my arch enemy. It's fate, man. They always go for the bad boy. Wouldn't it be nice to get both of them on our show? Just get the, the pair of them and be like, what's going on? You yeah, need to, how did this happen? Like I, it's like, I don't want to tell you who you can and cannot date because that's not my place, but uh, <laughs> this guy's bad news. We're trying to be like parental figures to Alley Cat here. It's just, this, it's, she's going for the bad boys. Next, it's Joey Janela. Who, yeah. who is a bad boy. And then the baddest boy, bad boy Tomatonga. Come on, man. We got to get work our ways up to Bully Ray. Is he the baddest boy? And she's going after an old man who's a bad boy. I just, you know, Alley Cat, I don't want to say I'm disappointed, but I felt I'm a little hurt. I'm a little hurt that you're with my enemy. <laughs> oh, uh, she had a great match with Samantha Heights. It was, it was awesome. Uh, let's see. We had... Danny Adams and Mike Outlaw, who are no new friends, versus Marco Stunt and Cabana Man Dan, both of which we've talked about. They're a new tag team called They Might Be Giants. How do they get away with that? Because they're both little. I mean, I get that, but that, like, come on, man. That's a band. The theme song from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, they we came out, they they came out to giants. Particle Man. Did they? They did. It was, it was quite nice. Nice. But uh, let's see. All right. All is forgiven. Let's see. A couple uh, quick things. It looks like we're actually, we had a lot to talk about on this show, and we're already running kind of long on this one. Uh, Nick Iggy versus Effie. Uh, Effie, E-F-F-Y, this guy is fucking magical. He came out in a studded red leather jacket. Sorry, a cat just snuck up on me. If you hear me... (laughs) You can hear in my voice that I sounded scared of something. I was afraid it was Randy Orton coming behind me like, this is enough. But, he just uh, RKO'd you in the middle of the podcast. Just done. Uh, but Effie, this guy comes out and he has on fishnets. And they were calling this match Daddy versus Granddaddy. And he was fighting uh, Nick Iggy from the Carnies, who his pants say Granddaddy. This guy's Daddy. So it is a a pretty flamboyant wrestler going against this other guy. And at one point, he had him in the corner and was just, just humping his face. Like, you know how you would punch and go, one, two, three, count to ten? Yeah. He, he did he that was with, doing that with thrusts? He did that with thrusts. 
way into it. And then at one point, Nick Iggy threw him out and was spanking him on the ass and had him had him on his hands and knees going around the entire ring and having the everyone in the front row <laughs> spank him on the ass. <laughs> And See, he, you're worried about stuff at GCW getting shut down by the police. That that I mean, you were you were involved in a mass harassment there. Well, you it, just let it happen. You didn't say anything. You didn't call the police. Well, our friend Clay was standing next to us, and he is a bear, and he was very willing to give Effie the smack that he was very thrilled to give him, and he <laughs> hit that man in the ass so fucking hard that. <laughs> That that may have been the hardest hit of the whole night. <laughs> but Bob Holly would be proud. If he escapes and then it's like, fuck you, I don't give a shit, and crawling around the ring on his own, having everyone spank his own ass. <laughs> All I could imagine is him and Joey Ryan on the most hilarious tag team. Well, Joey Ryan does need a new tag team partner. He He does right now. Well, he doesn't need... He's dead, though, so... Or is he? I I don't know. It seems like SCU. They they caught a glimpse of him the other yeah, day. They saw him at Universal. Uh, I want to talk about the main event real quick, and then we'll move on to all that stuff. Uh, AJ Gray versus Kurt Stallion in an I Quit match. Holy shit! He came out with a kendo stick. AJ Gray and Kurt Stallion beat the living fuck out of each other with this kendo stick. It was it was gross. And at one point, another thing I've never seen in a wrestling show, I believe AJ Gray got Kurt Stallion against the bar, put a washcloth over his face, and waterboarded him with a PBR. I've never seen a waterboarding in a match. Southern Underground Pro, thank you for at least three firsts for me out of this show. This It sounds like you got a pretty good show, and like you said, they keep getting better and better, so... I guess what I'm saying is this show's super goddamn fun. Uh, there's another one in September. I think September 23rd. They're always on a Sunday. You're, there's, you never have anything to do on a Sunday. A Sunday afternoon, that is the perfect time to watch pro wrestling. Well, we, uh, I don't know. It seems like we have a pretty good relationship with uh, the guys that run Southern Underground Pro. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they've, like you said, they've been getting better uh, every show. And they're getting like you had, like you said, they had people wrapped around the building trying to get in just from seeing the posters. So they're growing, and that's that's good. I like hearing that stuff. Like, and there's just something about the vibe of this room. There's no seats. Everybody's standing. We're just kind of in the middle of a bar. The ring is really low to the ground. It just it feels. I don't know. It's, it, there's something very punk rock about these shows. And the more I go, the more I am just loving the shit out of these characters. So, you know, support your local indie wrestling. Definitely support Southern Underground Pro. Get out to their next show. Uh, they actually mentioned they're now exclusive to Powerbomb TV. So all their shit's going to be up there. Um, yeah, hop on there. Watch some of their shows. Make it out to one. It's going to be a very well worth spent $15. Sure. Let's get into some G1. So the big one that we got into the request for this was that they wanted us to cover Okada. Versus Minoru Suzuki, and they've had a lot of matches together. So this was this was not a first meeting. This started off pretty uh, hard hitting. They got God. There was a like a brawl out in amongst the fans. The barricade was used as a weapon. The barricade was placed on top of Okada, and then Minoru Suzuki was using a chair to wail on the barricade on top of him. 
Suzuki is easily one of my favorite people to watch in New Japan. I don't know if you can tell because I bring him up nearly every single show. But he's one that just, he's, he's something about, he's so authentic. Well, because he's so minimalist with his ring gear and he's just brutal. Well, I remember uh, after I went to Wrestle Kingdom and I sent you a, vi- a video of Suzuki trying to hit us with the chair. Like, Suzuki smashed the chair on the barricade that we were sitting next to. And I believe you commented, that guy needs to get some knee pads. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel that way. Do you think, though, that he cares enough? No, well, I mean, it's it's part of the gimmick, right? I mean, I feel like the gimmick is that he's just, that guy hits so hard. Like, to he me. He puts on his wrestling tights and then he goes, I mean, he beat the shit out of Okada in this match. And didn't he beat the shit? Like, he came in just swinging and beat the shit out of him from the top. Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, it was, it was a comeback win for Okada for sure. Oh, I mean, he took, I, they went everywhere. This match, the bell rang and they were basically up in the crowd for a while. Yeah. And I think Suzuki is the one that when you go to these shows, he is likely going to be the one that ends up in your seat. That's kind of scary, too. He's a terrifying looking man. He looks like an insane grandpa. Did you like the spot in the middle of the match where they're exchanging forearms and they're smiling and then there's a lot of build to the next one and they're just, I mean, these are brutal hits to the face. Oh, my God. And at one point. Okada slaps himself in the face and is like, come on. I'm like, for the love of God, do you know what you're asking for? (laughs) You're asking the scariest man I've ever seen to just continually hit you in the face. And was this the match that at one point they were basically just forearming each other in the throat for a while? Yeah, I think so. Jesus Christ. Like, (laughs) I like that every time Suzuki comes out, you basically hear commentary as he gets out of the ring, be like, oh, God, please don't come over here. <laughs> Which was basically me at that entire deathmatch show that we went to. Except this is just every day at New Japan. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like looking through some notes I made. Because I watched this one a couple times just because I enjoyed it so much. But there, <laughs> Suzuki, when he needs to, he sells really well. But there's moments when he's selling that he looks like Joe Pesci in Home Alone after he gets hit with a flight with, with a tool case, uh, you know, falling down a flight of stairs. <laughs> and these guys, this room looked like it had to have been 100 degrees. These two were fucking dripping by the end of this thing. You think Okada's still going through his midlife crisis? Absolutely. We didn't hear a Scooby-Dooby-Doo in this one, but there's just something, like, he comes out and he, like, releases the balloons, and I don't I don't know if Okada knows who he is right now. I think he needs to go see a therapist, have a little conversation. He needs to look inside himself and see who he is. I think even if he did know who he was, who he was at, after this match, you would have all that knocked out of your head. You would just, you forget, you have to keep going. Well, that's good for the yeah. therapist. Yeah. I, he didn't hit the cleanest Rainmaker to end this match. I will say that. Wait, did it end on the Rainmaker? Or did it end on... There were a couple tombstones. Oh, wait, no. He kicked out of two tombstones, didn't he? Yeah. He kicked yeah, no, out of it a- ended on a Rainmaker. Okay, yeah. He, did, uh, he gave Suzuki two tombstones, a gotch style and a regular, and then it ended on two Rainmakers to win. Yeah, a rolling one and then just a, a normal one. But it didn't look like it was the cleanest. It didn't look pretty, but... Eh. Okada wins. It was just, that was a hell of a a match. I mean, I've been watching a ton of the G1 lately, just a lot of the matches. And this was, 
I, I mean, anyone that Suzuki's in is probably going to end up being one of my favorites just because he's a fucking psychopath. But So what are your thoughts on the rest of the G1 right now? Well, another one, another Suzuki match. I won't talk about it too long, but just Hangman versus Suzuki. Hangman came out and started hitting Suzuki before the bell. So Hangman's still stepping up and winning you over even more. Every, every time. Match. At one point, he got him near the uh, entrance ramp, which was pretty fucking high. Moon salted off of it onto Suzuki. He ends up winning the match. To me, like, fighting Minoru Suzuki is really just welcome to New Japan. Right. And he fucking beat him. Hangman hasn't been winning a ton of matches. So to me, a win over Suzuki is a pretty good win. That's a good look for Hangman. But let's see, what else What else we have going on? Uh, Zack versus Juice was pretty cool. That ended in a way I had never seen where... I don't even know how to describe it. He had... It was like he had... Zack had Juice in almost a full Nelson, both arms completely behind his back, but then almost had his legs in a figure four, but coming up over the top of his own head. <laughs> he was scrunched into the smallest little ball of a human that he couldn't reach for anything. He couldn't move his legs. He had no choice but to tap. Because there was literally, like, he was just done. There was nothing. I'd never seen that before. Uh, what else did we have? We had, okay, so we had Kenny Omega versus Toroyano, a comedy wrestler. Derek, do you know who won this match? Who won this match? Toro won this match. Kenny is, unde- is no longer undefeated. Kenny is no, well, Kenny lost to Ishii. Okay. So I he's actually that. lost twice in a row now. Oh, wow. Uh, the Ishii match, Ishii's another one that he just, him and Suzuki are two of the hardest hitting dudes there. And the Kenny one was no different. The grossest thing in that match, though, right towards the end, uh, Ishii gave Kenny just a lariat. And clearly, Kenny just bit his fucking lip off. His lip was yeah, just. Yeah, I hanging. saw the damage from that. Oh. That was that was gross. I mean, the only thing I've watched in pro wrestling that was more disgusting this week. Did you see that clip out of Boston from that progress show? I don't believe so. Somebody I don't know who it was. Uh, Jimmy Havoc and somebody else. And they had a table set up with two folding chairs unfolded with a folded up one across the top of them. They were on the top rope and a guy did a flip over to powerbomb the other guy through the chair. And the video I saw on YouTube of this just said this looks like a mortal combat fatality <laughs> and it's far enough back that you can't really see what happens but all you can see is when he hits blood explodes out of this dude's head about five or six feet into the air ew it was so fucking i couldn't stop watching it it was so it was just it was a car wreck i couldn't look away from i hope the guy's okay uh what else do we have we had tamatanga going up against uh Abushi, which I believe Tamatanga won because, you know, his boys came out and were fucking him up. So Kenny came out, then they fucked up Kenny Omega, who had to immediately go into his match with Toroyano. And so, so Kenny's still at the top of the standings right now. Right? I, th- well, what was it? Like, what's funny is when you hear the announcers try and make sense of the numbers in this, it's like they're sitting there doing math and are also a little confused about who, <laughs> who's in the Just lead. making the rules up as they go along. So I think in the, on this side, I think it would be Kenny and Naito would be the top two in the B block. Right. And I want to say Tanahashi 
is the top on the other. I could be completely wrong. You can tell me I'm wrong on the internet. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Where do you see this going at this now, now that we're this deep into it? Man, like who who ends up being in the finals this Sunday? Yeah. Shit. I don't know. Like at this point, Kenny's already got a spot at Wrestle Kingdom as far as I'm concerned. I see him carrying the belt that long. Sure. I don't know. Do you do Naito Tanahashi? That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, Naito is the most over guy there. He just had a match against uh, who did he, he just fought somebody on his own team? Who did he fight? He fought a uh, Sonata. Yes. And uh, Naito ended up winning, which uh, Sonata at one point actually gave him the Destino, which is kind of cool. He kicked out of his own move, and at the end, Evil came out to you know kind of. You know, we're we're all a family here, and he came out holding Takahashi's jacket. That's pretty cool. So I thought that was nice. A nice little reminder that uh, Takahashi's still around somewhere. How long is he still recovering for? I have not heard any updates on that guy, but okay. I hope he takes as much time as he needs. For sure. Uh, I, I'll be excited as hell when that guy comes back, though. I'm, I truly miss him. <laughs> yeah, the tournament probably misses him right now, too. Oh, man, he's just... Or would he have even made it into that since he's a junior? I don't know how that works. Because I guess at some point he's going to probably have to relinquish the title and do something with that. Yeah, he's gone for too long. When does Jericho have to defend the Intercontinental? I have no fucking idea. That seems like, I mean, I guess maybe when the G1's over the next big pay-per-view, he should have to do it soon, though. It's It doesn't make sense to tie up their biggest belt like that. Yeah. I don't know. You said the, the 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 finals are this weekend, so guess what kind of gets a resolution of what what's going on <clears throat> in New Japan. Um, I'll definitely guess, be excited to talk about it. Uh, I yeah. think the final, I believe, would be really early Sunday morning. We'll have that to talk about next week. And I think the other thing is uh, the the card for SummerSlam looks pretty good. I know we haven't done a lot of WWE stuff lately. I'm actually looking forward to SummerSlam. You're going. So we will have stuff to talk about in relation to that next week. So there's a lot of stuff that could happen, man. Yeah, I was looking at the lineup. I mean, we'll break that down a little more next week since, you know, it's going to be leading right into it. But at this point, we have Joe versus AJ, Miz versus Daniel Bryan, Rousey versus Alexa. Yes. What are some of the other, is there any other like big, big matches I'm forgetting? Well, uh, other than like Roman versus Brock, there's... Uh, another Strowman versus Owens. Is there a match. stipulation in their match? I mean, I know the the briefcase thing, but is there a uh, are there any rule? Like, what's the rule? Is there like a, is it a hardcore match? Is there any is there a gimmick to it? I think well, the gimmick to it is that if Strowman loses in any fashion, whether it's countout, disqualification, anything like that, he loses the briefcase. Would you like to see him lose it? I I we talked a little bit about this. I'm starting to think he's going to lose it. Okay, what do you do you see Brock Roman as the main event of this? Are they going to have him it's go definitely on last? Gonna, I I think it's going to have a like a a surprise cash in finish and maybe maybe I'm getting worked here. I don't, again, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm beginning to formulate a a, a feeling in my gut that there is some fuckery afoot, especially in relation to Heyman seemingly cast away by Brock Lesnar. 
and somebody's going to have to step in to fill that that spot for Heyman, and it could be a number of people. It could be Braun Strowman. It could be Roman Reigns. could be Kevin Owens. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have a sense, based on some of the, the, uh, the leaks of what the card is like for Hell in a Cell, uh, what is that, October? Yeah, aren't they saying that it's going to be Roman KO? Yes. So what is, does that lead us to believe that maybe KO cashes in at the end of the night and Roman doesn't leave champ? He has to win it first, um, but I mean, then I guess there's the possibility that Roman straight up wins it. Because you have to imagine, regardless of if he wins, he's probably going to take a fucking beating to get to the win. Yeah. And then there's going to be some fuckery that ends with him getting the belt. But I don't know. I don't know. At this point, like, I'm just, I, I guess I'm still over talking about, <laughs> about Roman and Brock. I guess maybe, maybe this is the final chapter. I don't know. I don't know how much more they can squeeze out of this. But again, if this is the final chapter, they do have the chance to end it with, with an exciting finish. If there's a money in the bank cash in or, or something happens. And like I said before, the rest of the card looks good. We'll talk more about it next week because uh, that'll be the final build for the show. And hey, you're flying out to New York for that. So. Yeah, it'll be my, uh, my first trip to New York. We're going to be attending. This is going to be a, a weird weekend. I'm going to be taking a friend of mine who's never been to pro wrestling. So her first show ever is going to be Joey Janela Lost in New York, where she'll get to see Wheatus and PCO. And then, which I hope uh, Matt Riddle is still at. I know he was scheduled to be there. I really, really hope that he's still on there. And then the next night we see him at NXT. You're hoping they let him finish his dates? I know he canceled uh, Bola, but, you know, that was still a ways away. So maybe this is one he can still keep. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out. Then uh, we'll be doing TakeOver, which, God, we don't talk about NXT enough. They're still doing great stuff over there. I mean, yeah. Obviously, like, I guess we Alistair haven't gotten Black's to watch. Hurt right now? Yeah, Alistair Black is hurt. So I guess we were going to have a triple threat between Ciampa, Gargano, and Black. Now it's just Ciampa and Gargano. We might know more about that tonight. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so we haven't seen the new NXT yet. I was super happy that last week we got to see Shayna Baszler take on Candice in a really good match. It was, I'm excited to just see her get to do a little more over there. Well, I think, like you said, everyone kind of unanimously agrees that NXT is still doing great stuff. And I think that don't sleep on, on uh, oh God, why, Ricochet and Adam Cole. Is it, are, they going, can, are they doing a program for the... It sounds like, yeah, they're getting ready to do a match. Fuck, that's going to be good. I think this, this takeover is going to be good. I feel like every time they end up in Brooklyn for these, they always put on a hell of a show. You're going to have a good time. Man. And I, I don't expect anything less from this one. Uh, and then also my friend that uh, is going with me to Janela, she's going with me to SummerSlam. I bet that's harder to sit through. I guess you'll find out. Because, I mean, isn't it's still five hours, right? I don't know how long it is. I'm sure I'm sure it's a long-ass show, but... Jesus Christ. Yeah, wrestling... Uh, sometimes I feel bad taking somebody to a wrestling show if I know it's going to be very, very long, and I don't know how they're going to react to it. I mean, I guess if you took them to the Super Bowl and they didn't give a fuck about football, like, it would be a long time for them, too. That's true. I guess I just have to describe it as, picture the Super Bowl, but not the Super Bowl, the second Super, like, the second biggest <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I don't know. All right, man. Hey, it's time to get out of here. Thank you for listening. Make sure 
If you listen to the podcast, guys out there, if you haven't already, please rate, review, subscribe. We'd greatly appreciate it. We love reading your reviews. We love getting feedback. So like we said earlier, hit us up on the social media, at WrestleHangout on Facebook, at WrestleHangout on Twitter, at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram. And if you're going to the StarCast, let us know. We'd love to meet up with you. Absolutely. And hit our goddamn music. <laughs>